Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. We are in an amazing series called Mind Your Own. And, uh, and this morning, we're going to be looking at pulling down strongholds. You say, what does that mean? You'll find out. In fact, I've entitled this morning's message, Under Siege. And I believe that we are going to see some things wherever you're at in this world uh, that are going to shift and some things that need to be pulled down uh, so you can build something else on that. We live in a world that is full of philosophies and reasonings and ideas and thought patterns and all kinds of things that go contrary to the Word of God. I don't think that's any big surprise to us. Uh, things like poverty mindsets that are out there uh, that are just choking. They've got a chokehold on so much of, of this world. Uh, I think it's like a, a, a billion people live on less than a dollar a day and two billion uh, on less than two dollars a day. That's just staggering poverty, isn't it? We live in a world that's just full of lust with uh, porn and uh, sex trade, trafficking, all, all of that kind of stuff that we don't see so much here uh, in our beautiful little bubble here on the Sunshine Coast, but it's rampant throughout this world. And these are patterns, thought patterns, reasonings, logic, philosophy that just go against everything that God stands for. God is love, and He doesn't stand for it. I think the biggest question, uh, do we stand for it? Do we put up with it? What does God expect for his people to do? Turn a blind eye? Say, oh, well, no, I don't think so. I think that God wants us to do better. And each of us also has thought patterns that, that we have so ingrained in us that oftentimes they become habits, soul-destroying habits, life habits that uh, we just seem like we just can't shake those things. These things uh, often, it's like banging our head against a brick wall. It's like we just can't shake it. We can't get rid of it. Well, these things are called strongholds, and we're going to go in a moment to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, where it uses this word stronghold. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament. And uh, I want to read that because we are going to see some things that needed to be pulled down in our lives and that need to be pulled down even in society. We're going to see those things get pulled down starting today. They're not all going to come tumbling down today. I wish that we could wave a, a magic wand over everybody here and everybody watching online instantly. Uh, but often it's like one brick at a time. Sometimes things get demolished slower, uh, in fact, even as slow as what they're built. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul's writing that, this letter to uh, a group of people that are in a place called Corinth. Uh, Gail and I have been there. It's quite a fascinating place, actually. There's the new city of Corinth and then the old city where um, he was, and he preached there for quite a while. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, we'll just start with 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh or the physical, the, the natural. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Everybody say, in God. In God. Mighty in God for pulling down, here's our word, 
strongholds. Now, a stronghold is anything that has a stronghold on you. I used to do wrestling. Uh, I wasn't on the wrestling team, but, you know, we had to wrestle in high school. It was part of the uh, physical education. And, man, you know, it was brutal. I, mean, I know some people today do other kind of martial arts, and there's some really brutal uh, MMA and all, that kind of thing out there. And I look at that, I go, that is so next level, man. Like, we didn't do that in high school. But whenever somebody would get you in a headlock or you'd get them in a headlock or, you know, you, you'd pin them down, it was just brutal if you couldn't get out of it. They had you in a stronghold. And your adversary, the devil, often gets you in a stronghold. Perhaps you're here this morning. And the strongest hold that he can have over you is in your mind. It's a spiritual thing that's going to get you out. It's often a spiritual thing that gets that whole thing going, but it manifests itself in the physical. And I can say this, everything about you is saying something about you. Uh, you can look at somebody and go, they're in the physical fitness, obviously. You know, uh, you know there's no fat on there fit as anything. And uh, you can go, you've got a mindset, you've got disciplines in your life, your thinking must be different. Uh, other people, not so much so. But everything about you is saying something about you. And so strongholds that start off through deception in the spiritual realm, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, it says in Ephesians, but principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. There is a very real world that's outside of the physical or what Paul talks about as the flesh or the carnal world. There's a very real world that, that exists out there. In fact, the world that's the material world, the physical world that we're living in, our bodies are in, we're seated in right now in this auditorium, uh, that came out of the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is, I'll put it this way, more real than the physical realm. But we don't see it that way. We kind of see this as the real deal. But it's not. It's, it's real here for a test. It's here for a purpose. It serves God's purpose, this whole uh, realm we call the physical or material world. But it was birthed out of the spiritual world, the unseen world birthed the seen world. That's what it says uh, in, in Scripture. And so it's very important for us to recognize that there's a battle waging. And that battle manifests itself into the physical. It comes into the physical and it parks itself in our mind. So the best thing that you've got going for you or the worst thing that you've got going for you is between your ears. It's either weak, polluted, working against you, that's your thought life, your mind, or it's strong and working for you. It's the world, it's, it's how we connect with the spiritual and our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and, and how we navigate. It's the navigation equipment through this world. But when that gets locked up through mindsets, through reasonings, through imaginations, and we'll see that in a moment, when it gets seized up or there's a stronghold, patterns of thinking, and we've looked at this, and I encourage you to go back and, uh, and study and honestly get all of the previous uh, messages that we've done in uh, this series, Mind Your Own. I think we're up to about six or seven, and uh, they're worth listening to because you can get into things like fear, 
and you can get into ungodly things that need to be broken, and, and those things will, will teach you an awful lot from God's Word. I don't have time to go back to that, but encourage you to do that. These things get into our thinking, and they have a strong hold over our thinking, often manifesting, like I said, in uh, habits and uh, things that we just can't seem to shake. So a stronghold is anything that has a stronghold on you or society around you. And uh, the Bible also translates the word strongholds elsewhere. It says, uh, it, it also translates that word fortresses. So it's like a walled city. I think about Jericho in, uh, in Joshua chapter 6, I believe it is, when they're going to lay siege to that city. And that city, the rubble of that is still there today. Uh, for years, they said, oh, the Bible can't be true because Jericho never existed. And then they found it. <laughs> and the walls had collapsed inwardly. And archaeologists, you know, digging that, we passed that when we did a tour in Israel. It's quite a fascinating thing. But it's like a walled city shut up. All freedom ceases, a stronghold. Nobody comes in and nobody goes out. And you're captive. It all starts with imaginations, or I'll put it this way, conversations in your head. So we're going to look at this morning, uh, how does a stronghold form? How can we stop a stronghold from forming? How can we pull it down? And what shall we do after we pull it down? Because we're going to work on that this morning. So everything starts with an idea. An idea turns into, if you will, a conversation in your head. And if you stop and camp on that idea, that conversation then becomes an argument. And often that argument is arguing against what God says. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, I know God says that, but. And then the argument starts to ensue in our head. That It also calls it reasonings. Until those reasonings in our head start to, uh, the ungodly ones start to win over uh, against God. And then that imagination, we start to imagine ourselves doing whatever the new argument that exalts itself uh, against the Word of God says to do, whatever the philosophy or the logic or the reasoning of that that goes contrary to what God says to do. Uh, we start to camp on that and imagine ourselves living that kind of life or being that kind of person. It doesn't just start off with a bad habit. It starts off with just a thought, just an idea. What if? What if God's wrong? What if there is no God? What if? Why, why is it wrong to do whatever it is? Or perhaps it's a thought of, of worry. We start to worry. And so then somebody, uh, you know, hands us a smoke and we go, well, that's kind of good because, you know, every time I have one of those, after all, you know, the, the nicotine kicks in and I feel calm. But it didn't start with a nicotine habit. It started with wor a worry habit. It started with a thought. Often, you know, that res that's the, uh, the same thing can happen with eating disorders, all kinds of things that manifest in the physical. They start off with just a thought. And then an argument, conversation in our head. And we all have them. Don't say you don't. You talk to yourself. I talk to myself. We talk inwardly. We have these reasonings, these conversations, these arguments going on. Then we start to picture the outcome of that. 
And that's where the stronghold really starts to form. In fact, we'll read on in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, we'll just go down to verse 5, because this is what we have to do with these things. Casting down arguments. Not arguing with other people necessarily, all that, that can happen. Oh, we're full of a world today that loves to argue with our thumbs, are we not? <laughs> Imaginations is another translation of that word arguments. And every high thing, I want you to take note, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So how do strongholds form? The Bible says, as a person, a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a person thinks in their heart, so are they. Forrest Gump put it this way, stupid is as stupid thinks. Or stupid is as stupid thinks. Stupid does, rather, as stupid is. That's what he actually said. <laughs> stupid does as stupid is. Everything about you is saying something about the way that you think. You become a captive to the cause or the convictions of your soul when they become soul-destroying. The stronghold has formed fear. Anger, selfishness, lust, unforgiveness. It says about in Proverbs 18, 19, it says this, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. So these strongholds are, are, are formed, they're built one block at a time, or we could put it this way, one thought at, at a time, one image at a time. Now, your imagination, and we talked a, a, a bit about this last week, and I encourage you to go back and get the message, but uh, we talked about kings and kids and the fact that we are to grow up and to think like a king because we are king's kids. But we also talked about something that Jesus said that if, you don't, if you're not want, like one of these little children, he brought a child to him. They said, well, what do we have to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? He says, Bring me a kid. See this child? If you, if, you, if you don't become like that, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. The hallmarks of a child are incredible trust. They have to trust. They can't feed themselves or provide for themselves, so they trust their parents. Unfortunately, in today's society, that's tragically uh, uh, a terrible thing to be in the fate of some of these parents that are out there. But Another hallmark of being a child that we don't ever want to get rid of is imagination. Children, if you watch them play and, and, and you just sit back and watch, you'll just see all kinds of things going on in their head. What are they doing? They're imagining. They're imagining killing bad guys if they're a guy, a little boy. They're imagining making a house and getting married if they're a little girl, generally speaking. And, 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 and that child imagination that God gives us. It's pure. It's, it's meant to be undefiled. It's meant to continue on through adolescence and even into adulthood. But what happens as we get older, 
And these strongholds start to form. There becomes an abnormal use of the imagination that God gave you. We would put it this way. An ab abnormal use is abuse. We abuse that which is holy and pure and childlike. We abuse that or we abuse it. It becomes abnormal for what it was supposed to be. God's tool for us. It's how God speaks to us. The main way that God speaks, it's not audibly as I'm talking right now, but he just gives images. He just shows you what to do. Have you ever had that? It's like, I don't know what to do. You're wrestling somewhere in the wee hours of the night, uh, falling asleep, getting up in the morning. Uh, all of a sudden it's like, bam, I can see it. I know exactly what to do. You have that aha moment. It's like, Eureka! It's amazing. How does that work? God used, he was able to get through to that child imagination that's on the inside of you. However, many of us, in effect, are child abusers of our own child imagination. We're abusing that beautiful thing that God gave us by exalting other images, arguments, thoughts, conversations above what God says. Instead of imagining the beautiful things, the good things that God has in store for us, the, the, the solutions to the problems of this world, we start to abuse that uh, through abnormal use. We start to be more sophisticated and we reason and we find logic from society and, and, and they say and others say and, and pretty soon our imagination is filled with other things other than the way God says to do it and, and the pure and the undefiled becomes defiled and unholy. You see, you are surrounded right now with incredible possibility incredible possibilities. The world out there is an amazing place from what God provided. You are surrounded with supplies and provision. But what happens when you buy into a lie and you start to allow pictures in your head to get painted that should have never been there because they, they don't line up with the Word of God, they get exalted above the Word of God, all of a sudden now you, you enter into a stronghold. And a stronghold is a place where you're starved of, what's going, of the good things that are going on outside. Do you know that you could starve to death in the aisle of a supermarket, of a grocery store? Food all around. Sitting there. If you can't eat it, if you can't open it up, if you can't cook it, if you can't purchase it first, obviously, and then go home and do all of those things. You can sit there surrounded by provision. You can sit there surrounded by possi endless possibilities. You can sit there just surrounded by the promises of God. And all the promises of God are yes and amen. But when you're in a stronghold, you can't break out of the walled city and obtain those promises. I'm going to give you some keys this morning, and we're going to pray at the end, and I believe it's going to be very powerful to pull down these, these strongholds. And if you're uh, caught in one or perhaps more, then I, I believe this is, this is the morning for you. So how do we stop, firstly, strongholds from forming? If you're taking notes, if you want to do one, two, and all the rest of it, number one is think prevention. There is an old adage that says, uh, uh, 
an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I really think that's worth taking to the bank. Whoever said that way back, I don't know, hundreds of years ago, uh, was pretty smart. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Paul said this in Ephesians. He says, put on the helmet of salvation. Protect your mind. Put, put on something that God has given you that's spiritual, that's going to be a filter, it's going to filter out all of the thoughts, the bombardment of thoughts that go contrary to the Word of God so it doesn't enter your thinking. You ever watch a baby and, and everything they can get goes where? Into their mouth. They just grab, ah, ah, anything. It could be nuts and bolts, razor blade. It could be anything, not just beautiful food. It's anything goes into the mouth. And our heads have an entry point. In fact, they have two main gates. One is the eye gate. The other is the ear gate. It's what we're looking at and what we're listening to. Or I could say this. It's who we're looking at and who we're listening to. That helmet of salvation that God gave us is there to protect our thinking. It's not a physical helmet. It's not so that if you crash into a tree riding your bicycle or something, you know, your head's protected. It's, a, it's something to protect your thought life. Why? So that these thoughts don't enter in and start conversations and arguments in your head. And pretty soon these con conversations, they, they, they start to make you a convict within your own thought life, within your own imagination, within your own head. You just can't seem to break out, even though you are surrounded by blessings and a promised land and provision and a land flowing with milk and honey. You're caught up in a stronghold. Things that we need to realize is to prevent that, we need to put on, as Paul says, the helmet of salvation Number two, how do you prevent it? Pray without ceasing. I love that. First Thessalonians 5, it won't come up, but you know, Paul says this. He says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, not for, but in everything, give thanks to God for this is the will of God for you. That's part of our thinking. It's part of our helmet. I, I rejoice. I sing. I shout. Uh, I, I give thanks in the midst of everything that's going on. Praying without ceasing is incredible because prayer, and I'm not going to do a ser uh, seminar like this morning on prayer, but uh, I will do one. It's not just learning about the prayer petition, the prayer of intercession, the prayer of agreement, uh, all, you know, prayers uh, in unknown tongues. It's not just learning about the different types of prayer, but it's understanding what, what prayer is in the first place. See, God is, His thoughts are higher, it says in Isaiah. His, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. They're, they're way up there. I mean, come on. Look out into the night sky or look through a microscope and fathom the amount of information that's in a molecule, a DNA. It's Staggering, staggering. It's not just the material like H2O, water and uh, dirt and carbon and that kind of thing that forms life. It's the incredible billion amounts of, of information that's packed into uh, a molecule, a DNA. It's, it's staggering what it took to put you together. 
way beyond Darwinian evolution. <laughs> or, oh, if we find, if we find uh, carbon and water on a planet, there must be life. No, friend, no. It's way beyond that. Darwin didn't have a microscope. He couldn't look into how sophisticated and complicated that life. He had no way of looking at it, so he just went, bird, another bird. That bird must have turned into that bird. Monkey, man, no. No, 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 not quite. Way beyond that. And as we're, uh, as we're looking at, at how strongholds form, we really need to start to look at what God's plan was for us in the beginning. And, and His plan has always been to have conversations with you. That conversation, quite simply, is called prayer. But God doesn't come down in His thinking. He came down to earth in the form of a man. It's called Jesus. But God doesn't lower His thinking down into the mully grubs and the poverty thinking and the lust thinking and all the other stuff that's going through so many people's heads all the time. James says you have not because you ask not. You, have, you ask and you have not because you want to spend it on your lust. You're just thinking about you all the time, 24-7. Oh, the house. I, I need to get that house. I need to get that kawaii. Well, for me. <laughs> and when you go to prayer, God is saying, come up to my thinking. You've got to elevate your thoughts up to, to where God is and start to ask a bigger question. What is your purpose in this God? Why, why, why do you want me to have a car? Maybe you don't. Why do you want me to have millions of dollars? I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's more interested in something else. Nothing wrong with those things, by the way. But God's, God's not going to lower himself down to your lustful, me-centric thinking. He's saying, step it up. My ways are higher. Come on. When you pray, he's saying, line up your thinking with my word. Elevate, bring it up. Start to think higher than just yourself. Start to think about other people. Start to think about how you can contribute to a better world. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Start to pray for other people. He's saying, no, no, no. You've got imaginations and how you're going to get even with all these people that did you wrong and stabbed you in the back and ripped you off and, and, and did all this stuff. But my thinking is, I'm come on up. Bring it up. I'll show you how to forgive. Bring it up. And so when we do that, that's called prayer. It's, it's something that God beckons us to. And that will prevent strongholds from forming. Because when the devil offers you the carrot, you won't take the carrot. You've been spending time with God. You will become like the people that you hang around with. You'll become like God when you hang out with God more. I've been to several countries, and even this country is not my own. You can tell. Somebody at a party where we were at last night, they go, where are you from? Like, you don't have an Aussie accent. And it's like, no, I don't. I'm from Detroit. It's like, yeah, you can tell. You sure haven't lost it. How long have you been here? It's like, 35 years <laughs> or longer, I don't know, like came over in 86, a long time ago. Long, long time ago, I can still remember and the music, you know. <laughs> Not, it hasn't changed. But there's certain things from 
being amongst the Aussies, that I say with a certain inflection, there, there are some, there is some accent there. You can pick it up if your ears are sensitive. It's not, I'm not totally as American as I was. And that came from being immersed in this culture and talking to people with Aussie accents and talking about words like superannuated, bitumen, uh, with the petrol bowser instead of the, the gas station, you know. <laughs> like the boots instead of the, uh, the, the hood and the, the, bo the bonnet, rather. Like all, all of these words, if, you, if you're watching you're in America, you, you're thoroughly confused in exactly. <laughs> but I remember being in Brazil for a month and uh, started to pick up Portuguese. I could understand a little bit of what they're talking about, and even my accent started to change. I thought, gee, if I was here for years, I'd be speaking Portuguese with a Portuguese accent. I'm sure of it. Uh, being in Pakistan for over a month, it, it was like the same kind of a deal. Like, I forget it as quick as I learn it, but, you know, you, you hang around, you'll pick up the accent, you'll pick up the way of thinking. And God is saying, hang, hang, hang with me. Pray. Pray without ceasing. Come on. Get, get, get into my thought wave. Get into my thought pattern. Re read, immerse yourself in my thoughts. It's called his word. He didn't write it. People wrote it as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. But man, like, wow, that's the way that God thinks. And as you immerse yourself in that, your thoughts start to change. You start to think the way that he thinks. And he says, good, I was waiting for you to come up. Now we can have a, a decent conversation. And that will stop. And I've got to fly here uh, because we're going to run clean out of time. But he'll make you think like him, talk like him, and not very long after that, you'll start to act like him. Uh, three, don't elevate arguments above the Word of God. Kind of said that. Imagination's exalted above the knowledge of the Word of God. You've got to stop them. You've got to cast them down. Your brain has to be taught to recognize these things. You shall know the truth. And what? And the truth shall set you free. So when a thought comes that doesn't agree with God's thoughts because you've been having conversation with God through prayer and you've been into the Word to get into the thought flow of God, not to memorize stuff for the sake of it or show off how much you know to your friends or something, but to get into God's thought flow, then all of a sudden now when another thought comes in, it's easy. Bam, I can recognize that straight away. If I'm overseas and uh, uh, my phone rings and there's a voice on the other end, I know immediately if it's Gail or not. Immediately. Nobody could bluff their way through it, even if they could somehow uh, put on the same accent or something. It would be immediately because I know the way that she thinks. I know how she, what she would say and how she would say it. So I, I would never give that an, argue, uh, an audience. So don't become uh, an audience to what the devil wants, but an audience to God. And, and what you won't see, you won't seize it. You won't put it in to your mouth and, the, and, and through the ear gate and the eye gate. Number four, how do you stop it? Repent. Repent quickly. So if you get a thought, and your radar, your God radar, your Holy Spirit radar says, eh, not from God. And maybe you took it. It says, take no thought for tomorrow, for the problems of tomorrow will take care of themselves, Jesus says. But if you took the thought, if you took the, 
the bait. You saw something or you heard something and that, that thought got in there. Repent quickly of it. it. means Repent just means change your mind. Change your mind quickly. Repent quickly. Don't let it keep going. Don't get guilted about it. Go, oh, well, I've blown it. Now the thought came in. I might as well just go ahead and keep thinking that and imagining even more. No, don't do that. How do you pull down strongholds? There is more than one way. And what we're going to talk about this morning is not the comprehensive, exhaustive list of how to pull, pull down strongholds. In fact, I'll say this. How do you pull down strongholds? Every and any way that you can. You think about buildings that are being built, and there's a lot of construction going uh, on right now on the Sunshine Coast, and, and down in Brisbane, which is a bigger city, there's some really big buildings. The uh, Olympics are going to be here in, thir in uh, 2032, I think it is. And, and so there's just so much construction going on. And, and to build something uh, that's worthwhile, uh, that's going to last, it takes engineers, architects, takes construction uh, site managers, it takes tradespeople of all kinds. It's a very complex process. Pulling down, however, sometimes it takes engineers and architects. I'm not going to say that always it doesn't because you've watched some of those tall buildings in the middle of cities. They, you know, they put the charges in the right place and boom, you know, the whole thing comes straight down without destroying all the buildings around it. However, for the most part, the pulling down process is not as complex as the building up process. Sometimes things can come down very, very quickly. And in the spirit realm, when you invite God to pull the city walls down that are holding you from the blessings of God, God can do it very quick or it could take a long time. He can dismantle the strongholds in your life one block or one thought at a time. Or he can pull some whole walls down. I don't know if you ever watched like any of the renovation shows, uh, but it's not always some big burly dude with a hard hat, you know, uh, a, a tradie, a real man. Sometimes it's housewives with hammers. Have you ever noticed that? They love to get in there. Oh, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to pull this, this kitchen apart. I hate this kitchen. So they get in there, you know. And this is some some uh, some mom or somebody that's not a tradie, and, and bam, you know, they're just, they're, they're just getting into it because this is fun. Man, a lot. You know, these ugly cabinets that I've, that they've been there looking at me all the, I hate these things. We got the new kitchen coming in. The old has to go before the new can go, come in. And, and, and so they're into it. They got crowbars. They got hammers. Everything just pull. Down it comes quickly, quickly. I believe it'll take as long as it takes us to wake up and to pray and believe for God's power to come in and destroy these things. It could take you a long time or a short time. I guess sometimes the choice is more ours on how much we want to pray and get, in, and get the Spirit of God involved in it. So you can pull it down every way and, and, and uh, any way. But here's the thing. Recognize it for what it is a stronghold, and attack it with everything that you've got in God. 
Because you are on the offense. I think about Jericho again. And the inhabitants inside that walled city were not the Israelites. I mean, there was one prostitute, Rahab, they said, spare her. She helped us. She tipped us off. But it was Israel surrounding that stronghold. It had to come down. And how did they do it? God's plan. Be strong and of good courage. Then you're going to march around that city once, a, once uh, around each day for six days. And we're going to put the priests out in front with the ark. And they're going to blow trumpets. They're going to have seven horn, ram's horns. And they're going to blow these trumpets seven times, seven priests. And so they're walking around that thing once. They go back to the camp, have a bit of food. Next day, get up. Priests go out there, the ark, blowing trumpets, walk around at once, coming back. Seventh day, they've already walked around it six times. Seventh day, he says, I want you to go around it seven times today. So in total, they're going to walk around it 13 times, blowing trumpets with an ark, a box, the presence of God. And the walls, at the end of that 13th time, I want you to do something you're not allowed to do all the way up until then. I want you to shout. Get ready to shout. And when you do, the walls are going to come down. I hope that you got some shout on this morning because we are going to do that at the end of this service. I hope that you are ready for that this morning. But the point here is this. It's mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. It's your weakness is, is best, uh, the power of God is best when you're weak. They didn't do anything. They, they put the mighty soldiers and all those guys, you know, but behind the priest. When Joshua finally dies in Judges chapter 6, I think it is, uh, Joshua finally dies and they said, well, who's going to go into Canaan first and do battle with all these Canaanites? Who's going to subdue this land? Who's going to go first? And God says this, send Judah out first. Judah means praise. Then Simeon, which means hearing, is going to go second. Faith comes by, you know, my favorite scripture, Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Send the praisers out first. See, a church service where we're praising God and shouting and worshiping God, I don't understand it. You, you're right, you don't understand it. Because if you did, the strongholds would start to come down during the worship time. This isn't just like, oh, some kind of entertainment, I guess, they got going. No, no, no. You know, it's why some people, man, they're belting it out like I do. I embarrass myself and my wife and everybody else. I, when, when it's time to praise and sing, I'm singing. I, don't, I can't remember words, but man, God, God knows what I'm talking about. I'm just going for it. Just going for it. And, and, and I encourage you, why, why am I going for it? Because I don't want anything in my life that doesn't line up with the Word of God existing. I don't want a wall in my life. I don't want a stronghold from ever getting there. I'm going to shout. I'm going to sing. I'm going to be like Isaiah 54. Tell the barren woman, sing, O barren one. Sing the one that can't have children. Burst in the song. Woo! Glory to God. Shout. Oh, you must be Pentecost. I think everybody should have that. 
whether you label that or not, I don't really care what you call yourself. It's the Word of God. It's what got Paul and Silas out of where? Out of a stronghold called prison. What did they do? They, they prayed. They did exactly what I'm telling you to do. They prayed. They declared some things. They started singing. And all of a sudden, the whole thing shook. There was an earthquake. The doors flung open. The, the jailer got saved. The same thing can happen to you wherever you're at right now. If you're here this morning, that can happen. Put a bit of faith into it. Start to become a, a believer. That's what you're called to do. You're not called to be called a Pentecostal, Baptist, uh, ACC person. You are called to be a believer. What do believers do? They believe. That's exactly what we got to do. Lean into it. If you're going to do it, do it with all your might. Attack it with everything you've got. Don't be the defender. Be the aggressor. Israel wasn't defending something. They were the enemy. See, the losers were inside the walls. Number two, feed whatever it is that's feeding it, or fast, rather, whatever it is that's feeding that stronghold. One way that they could, I studied this, when they'd lay siege on a city, often those campaigns would go on and on and on. Could even be a year. If they couldn't get in through the walls, they would starve the inhabitants on the inside. So what's feeding your stronghold? It's a good question to ask. Whatever that is that's feeding it, fast it. That's why Jesus says, when you pray. Not if, when. And when you fast. Not if you fast. And it's not just, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to lose some weight, going to fast some food. Call it spiritual. I'm fasting. You're not a diet. That's okay. All good. Uh, but if, if, if you've got a stronghold of lust in your life, maybe identify where some of those thoughts, images are coming from. Maybe it's that television set. Could be that little device in your hand. Whatever it is, fast it. Starve it out. Surround the city with the presence of God and fast whatever's in there until it starves to death. Oh, and that's so hard. I know. You've got to do it. Fast whatever is feeding it. Three, ask God to surround the stronghold with his spirit. I can't get past this. Luke 4, 18. Jesus said this. Listen to this. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Why? Because he has anointed me. Why? To proclaim good news. This is good news this morning. To the poor. If you're in a stronghold, you've got poverty going on in some area of your life. He has sent me. Why? To proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recovering of sight. Get your imagination back for the blind. And to set the oppressed free. Jesus came to set the oppressed free. He came to deliver the prisoners from the stronghold. Ephesians 4.8 says this. Therefore he says when he ascended on high. He, Jesus, led captivity captive. And he gave gifts. Unto men, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. Let the promises of God go up. Let the praise of God go up. Let the power of God surround that stronghold. Those walls have to come down. I'd like the praisers to come up. Thank you. I'd like you all to stand with me. Come on, we're about out of time. And uh, I could preach this. Oh, could I preach more? But we're not going to. So my final 
question is, what are you going to do when the stronghold's gone? <laughs> this is a real key to get it, get it, to pull it down. Make plans. See, when they demolish an old building in the city, they don't just knock it down and go, well, yeah, it was just old. We're just going to knock it down. Unless it's in Detroit. Sorry, Detroit people. <laughs> it's gonna, we're going to knock it down and just leave it there so that people can just, you know, hang out, get stoned in the park or something, you know, in the vacant block. No, they have plans. Make plans. What are you going to do with the space in your thinking? What are you going to do with the time? that you're spending right now consumed in that stronghold? What are you going to do with the money if you're hooked on something and you're spending lots and lots of money, you know, supporting that thing's gotten into a habit? What are you going to do with that money? Start to make plans for it. Start to see, when that comes down, I'm going to have some extra time on my hands because I'm not going to be thinking about that. When that comes down, that's going to release me to love people more when I'm not offended anymore. When that comes down, I'm not going to spend hours and hours watching stupid stuff, you know, Lust Island or whatever on television. When that comes down, I'm going to have time. I'm going to have energy. I'm going to have resources called money. I'm going to develop relationships. When you start to get a plan for what that's going to be when it comes down for that vacant lot, that area, that space between your ears, then something starts to happen. Your God-given child get uh, given imagination starts to starts to get reclaimed again and, and that holy imagination that God gave you starts to plan some and strategize some things. It's called hope. It's called a future. God said this to the, the barren woman again in Isaiah 54, 3, 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent. Once you shouted, O barren woman, once you burst in the song, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Don't hold back in your thinking. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out. Come on, everybody say spread out. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Oh, yeah. So I've got some really good news for you this morning. All that was good news. This is really good news. <laughs> I'm going to give you some really, really good news. If strongholds of negative thinking and wrong reasonings that exalt itself against the knowledge of God can form in you, then strongholds of faith can be formed in you. You can get a stronghold of faith, and there's no walls. It's not a walled city. Faith can have such a stronghold on your heart for the lost. Faith can have such a stronghold on you that it's like a compass. It's like a gyro. That thing just keeps you in the right direction. Faith can be a stronghold. Peace can be a stronghold. 
Generosity can be a stronghold. There can be a stronghold of love. Wow. Strongholds aren't just destructive, negative. Once those things come down, then there's space for God to build something in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong. Let God have a stronghold over your heart. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Oh, put on the whole armor of God. Woo! That you might be able to stand in the evil day having to stand. Stand therefore. Woo! Glory to God. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray for everybody watching online and for all of us here. Firstly, to be strong in the Lord, you have to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord. So if that's you and you're watching, you haven't done that. Maybe you're away. You're just distant. Strongholds have been built in your life and you're thinking and you say, well, I want those things down. Go back, listen to the message again, get your Bible out, start to do what, it, what I told you in there. Appropriate that, incorporate that into your life. Let it be wisdom and let it be life unto you. Let God's word be the double-edged sword. Watch what God does. But it all starts with the decision to give Jesus your heart. So we here at City Church, Sunshine Coast, we're going to pray out loud. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, your Savior, you haven't given Him your heart, or your way, either way, let's just pray together. Not a formula. I pray virtually the same prayer. Give people an opportunity every week. I believe it's what we, sh what we should do. Because God wants to build something strong in your life. But He wants you to give Him your life first so that He can do something with it. Amen? So pray this prayer after me. Say, Dear God, I thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus. Jesus, I give You my heart. Amen. God bless you if you're watching online. Amen. Thank you, God. God bless you so much. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.